Hey everyone, two names, videoblocks.com forward slash Ross. That is going to get you a seven day free trial on Videoblocks. They've got After Effects templates, video backgrounds, video stock footage, anything you want, they have it if it's related to video. Videoblocks.com forward slash Ross for a seven day free trial and podbean.com forward slash VR. That's going to get you a 30 day free trial account on me to trial podcasting. See if you like it, see if you want to do it. Podcasting is what you should do, of course, my recommendation. Podbean.com forward slash VR for a 30 day free trial account. And I'm going to talk about both at the end of the show. And of course, you can find them in the show notes. Hey everyone, this is Vernon Ross and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, bringing you the best in online business, social media and good old fashioned networking. And guys, today I've got a guy on that's, I mean, pretty impressive, NPR, MarketWatch, Forbes, Smart Money. If it's about money or building your business, Todd is going to know what to tell you and how to do it because he's done it and he's done it well and he's been featured on a lot of podcasts, lots of shows. He's a multiple book author. I don't know how many books Todd has. I think it's about four. I know I've got at least uh, five. There we go. I know I've got at least one on my shelf. And I actually met Todd a few years ago at the first FinCon that I attended, which is the Financial Bloggers Conference in St. Louis. I was impressed then, and he's just continued to grow and just astound me as far as his business acumen is concerned. So, Todd, welcome to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me on the show, Vern. So... (laughs) <laughs> we were talking and you can, you can help in a number of areas, but I really want to focus on how to build a service business because in my audience and a lot of people I talk to, they're just getting started in the entrepreneur game. I've been in it for a while, but it never hurts to hear about how do you really build a service business. And since mine isn't to seven figures yet, I need to listen to you to tell me what to do. Okay. So as a little background for listeners that don't know me, I started out as a financial coach, right? So the site is financialmentor.com if anybody wants to go look at it. And originally it was just going to be a little boutique coaching site. I was really curious if I could help people um, achieve extraordinary financial results. Again, I, I retired at age 35 for those that don't know who I am. I'm way older than that now. I'm 56 as we record this. So that um, was a long, long, long time ago. Um, and so I, I start out with this little boutique coaching business idea. And then as soon as you start coaching, there's sort of an unknown secret in the coaching world, which is that most coaches make little or no money. Um, you know, there's a few at the top of the game that make good money because the hourly rates can be pretty high if you've got a good marketing system. Um, so in theory it can be a desirable business, but what happens is, you know, there's a lot that goes into it because the marketing hours aren't revenue producing. The admin hours aren't revenue producing. The only time you get paid is when you're actually coaching. There's only so many hours in a day you can coach before you get burned out. And so your actually hourly effective rate is not that great if you're not careful and you don't know how to run the business wisely. And so that was something I ran into. It's what all coaches run into. And I developed a system around it, which I gave a presentation at FinCon. You were mentioning FinCon. I gave a presentation, which was how to have more clients than you can handle. Um, cause I did that for my coaching business. I actually ran it up to the point that it was $600 an hour and I was sold out. I was backlogged and I had to shut it down because I never wanted to be a thousand dollar an hour coach. That was never the goal. Um, I was really trying to sort out my client base 
I wanted a diverse client base that I could test all my methodologies on. My coaching was always planned to be a um, revenue-producing market research. It was not meant to get me rich. It was just revenue-positive market research while I was working out all my systems for helping people develop financial independence. In other words, everything was being tested on real-world clients through my coaching process. So I wanted a diverse group of clients, but I had to keep raising rates because demand kept going up. <laughs> and I was starting to burn myself out. And then I, I broke 600 bucks an hour, and I was still backlogged. And I was just like, this is crazy. And I had to shut it down, which is a good problem to have. So anyway, now I teach people how to do similar. Right. So – during during that whole phase of building that, why did you not or did you go the group coaching route versus the individual coaching route? Or does well, the thing, about, the thing about group coaching, okay, so this is an important point. When you're marketing coaching, you have to have a clear value proposition, right? right. And so in one-on-one coaching, I was very effective at helping people achieve financial independence. My clients were actually achieving financial independence. So the value proposition, even at 600 bucks an hour, was a no-brainer. Um, you know, if you can figure out how to convert your existing financial setup into financial independence in, you know, two, three, four years, even at 600 bucks an hour, three days a week, three days a month, uh, it's a no brainer. And so that's what, that was the value proposition I was offering. It was very effective. I, you know, we were producing the results. That's how I proved out the entire product line, which we could talk about in another interview. It won't fit in this one, but I now have put Todd in a box, which is essentially the group coaching you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, where I developed seven steps to seven figures and there's seven different group coaching courses of which one of them's available right now, which is step three. Um, it's actually the starting point in coaching. It's how you design a wealth plan that will actually work for your life situation. Um, so it's nothing like what a financial planner does. So even though it's step three, it's the third step in the, in the process, the third logical step in the process, but it's always the starting point of coaching. So I know that sounds confusing, but <laughs> not, I didn't make any of this. Yeah, I didn't make any of this stuff up. All of this came from actually working with clients about how it actually works in process. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that the third step needs to be the starting point for coaching, but it's actually the third step in the process. And the reason for that, a lot of clients come to me with some of the steps already put together. Not every person always needs all seven steps. As a matter of fact, most people do not. Most people need a patchwork of the steps. That's why they're separated. It's not just a cute little marketing slogan of seven steps. It's that you're only as strong as your weakest link when you're on your wealth building path. And so whatever your weakest step is, is the one that holds you back. And so by having the seven separate steps, you can... I'm also going to have a test eventually. I don't have it yet, but I'll have a test where you go through and you identify your weakest link as the point where you need to start the journey. Um, so there's a method behind the madness. But anyway, for, for those that are interested, the third step is publicly available as we record this in June of 2017. And the other ones I'll progressively build out over time. And it is the starting point in the group coaching process. So yeah, I'm doing what you said. But in my opinion, Vern, what you got to do in order to have effective group coaching is it's really got to be content driven. Like group coaching is not super effective as a one-on-one -on -one process because you can't tailor it to each individual. Right. Um, whereas one-on-one -on -one coaching, yeah, one-on-one yeah, -on -one coaching, it's totally about the individual and you can really make amazing headway with the client that justifies the price tag. You can do the same in group coaching, but you have to structure it differently. And that's what I'm doing with the seven steps, seven figures. And so you have to be able to pick 
the agenda item that's the correct agenda item for you. And then it has to be content driven with group coaching to overcome the personal obstacles. Is that, is that making sense? No, it does because, you know, I ran a, uh, ran a mastermind and it ended up being a, a really a group coaching thing. And that really wasn't the intention because it was a mastermind. I ended up being the one that was driving the process and it really wasn't enough content to keep the members engaged enough yeah. to where they were actually achieving the goals that, I, that we were setting. Yeah. In the end, what people seek is a solution to their problems. And so you really have to have a clear solution to a specified problem in order to have a marketable product. And so that's a huge tip for people who are trying to build their service. The service they're providing has to be a solution to a problem that people will gladly pay for. In other words, the value proposition has to make sense and you have to market it from the problem solution standpoint. Huge key tip there. If you're not doing that, you're going to fail. Like a lot of coaches, you know, I'm a life coach. What is that? Right. You know, it's like, it's like trying to sell pink fog, you know, it, <laughs> right. It, it's just, it, it's just nebulous. It's like, it doesn't have a clear value proposition. You're a life coach. Oh, so I'm going to get a better life. What exactly do you mean by that? You know, it, it just gets really complex. Whereas for me, I was marketing financial coaching. What do I do? I help you achieve financial independence. So what's the value proposition? You get there faster, more efficiently with fewer mistakes. Just one mistake avoided can pay for all the coaching costs. It's a clear black and white value proposition if you're good at it. Right. Now that's, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's huge actually. Oh yeah. It, that's groundbreaking. If a listener who wants to build a service business just took that one idea and ran with it, they could knock it out of the park because almost nobody's doing it right. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, go back and listen to that, guys. Replay it a few times to let it sink in. Because even when I think about how my business is structured, it's not structured exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nobody yeah. wakes up wanting coaching. Nobody wakes up and, I mean, there's a few people in the world that are very touchy-feely that just want to be coached and they want to explore their inner selves and all these right. things, right? But for the most part, nobody wakes up wanting coaching, but they do wake up wanting solutions to their problems. That's the burning need that they'll pay for. Your, yes. your service needs to deliver a clear, identifiable solution to a problem that people are excited to pay for. Yeah, that's something that I think a lot of coaches miss is that you're trying to solve problems, but you're not really trying to solve problems. You're just trying to get people into your program. You're not clear on the value proposition. Yeah. So it's, you know, you may want to be solved problems. Every coach wants to solve problems, right? But that doesn't mean anything. Again, that's too nebulous. What is the problem you solve and what is the value of solving that problem? Does it justify the price of coaching or not? How long will it take you to get the client there? What is the clear step-by-step -step process you're going to take them through to achieve the goal? So you move your service from pink fog to something tangible that they can buy with good confidence. Yeah, that is really – that's huge, guys. I mean that's – I, I don't think I've had anyone come on and actually say that in that way. I've heard it similar times before, but not exact, not as succinct as that is. Cause um, yeah, that's huge. If that doesn't make you think about what you're doing right now, and if you're actually given a value proposition, just go back and listen a couple times. Cause that's, no, that's really good. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And if you look, it's what I've done, right? So I was a boutique coaching business. I fell into the a niche of helping people achieve financial independence. That's my little passion, my little nuthead thing that I do. And then 
the seven steps to seven figures was doing exactly what you said, which is packaging the knowledge up into group coaching curriculums. But notice my use of language. I'm not using the language loosely. I didn't go into nebulous group coaching. If I'm going to transition to group coaching, it needs to be in the form of a curriculum because, again, I still have to deliver an identifiable benefit to a known problem that people will pay for. And so I have to identify the problems. I have to identify the steps and then I have to build the curriculums to do it before I can have a group coaching program that's marketable. And so, again, you can look at my website at the seven steps to seven figures. It's under the products page. The step three is the only one that you can even buy right now um, as we record this. And then you can look at my coaching page and see it's sold out. I don't even accept one-on-one clients anymore. Right. Now, what got you into this? How did you get into coaching to begin with? <laughs> so it's kind of a funny story. So I achieved financial independence at age 35, which was 21 years ago, um, through the hedge fund business. And, you know, it back, it's more common now because the internet, a lot of people achieve some form of financial independence at a fairly young age. Back then it was less common. Um, and I did it through finance, through investing. I didn't do it through building a business. And so, when I sold that company and was quote unquote out of business and retired, I kept getting a lot of questions around stock tips because back then it was the late 1990s and the bull market was crazy going into the final top in 2000 mm -hmm. and people were making a fortune in internet stocks and everybody wanted a hot stock tip. And, you know, people weren't even asking the right questions about how do you achieve financial independence? They, they, they just wanted a hot stock tip. They, they weren't even in close. And so I, I just blew the questions off. I didn't even want the conversation, you know? And so my wife one time kind of took me to task, you know, she's like, you know, Todd, what are you doing? You know, it's, it's like you spent all these years figuring this stuff out. The way you look at it is totally unconventional. It doesn't match what traditional financial advice says, and yet it totally works. And so here you are 35. What are you doing with your life? What, why are you just hiding this information? Why don't you do something with it? And it's just, she totally got on me. And that was the beginning of financial mentor, um, where I was still very fearful. I didn't want to build it because I was afraid of public criticism because, again, my ideas are quite unconventional, uh, at, at least in the sense that they don't match traditional financial advice at all. Some of them are a complete opposite traditional financial advice. And so um, I was a little concerned about doing it. And then I said, well, I'll build it. And if it ever becomes a problem, you know, if I ever go under public attack, I can always just knock it down. I can always just remove it, right? Yeah. And it's never gone that way. People have been really positively receiving it for the most part. You know, it's about 98% positive, 2% negative. And you can't run your life according to the trolls, you know? So, uh, true. yeah. So, you know, I, I continue to build it just because of the, the fact that it's helping people. It's I, the people are writing saying it's changing lives. So I keep building it and keep expanding it and keep clarifying the message and deepening the message. Now, when you were first, when you first started, when you realized you wanted to do financial services. Uh, well, did, let me be clear. Start? It's not financial services. It's financial education. Financial education. So when, when Yeah, I'm, I'm purely an educator. I operate under the education exemption within the advisory laws. So it's a very black and white thing. Ah. So like when you were in your 20s, were you thinking about this then? Has this, has this always financial education? Has it always been of no. interest to you? No, 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 no. When I was in my 20s, what happened? I came out of college. I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I... I came out of college. I was in debt like other college students. I had student loans. I had, I had to work my way through college, and it was always a pain. One of my friends went off to Europe for summer 
for vacation. I had to work and I dug steam trenches at the university in order to pay my house bills and my, my tuition costs. So, um, no, I struggled financially. I think that's what gave me the motivation to achieve financial independence. Um, my, my commitment point, cause everybody has a commitment point to financial independence cause you have to pay a price to get there. Right. True. And so it requires commitment or achieve the goal. And so my commitment point, I, I was, I was at UCLA at the time down in Southern California, finishing up my degree. My degree is actually from university of California Davis, but I was finishing up at university of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. And I was riding my bike through Santa Monica Park, which is this gorgeous park on the bluffs and uh, on the Pacific Ocean. And, you know, the bums, it's the same bums every day down there, right? And they live, they sit on the park benches and play guitar and play games in the park and hang out all day in this gorgeous area. Like you couldn't get a prettier setting if you wanted, right? right. I mean, if you're a millionaire, your backyard isn't as nice as that. And, and these guys are just living the life there and they've got food trucks that come by that serve them food, you know, for the homeless and they've got health care that comes by. And I'm kind of looking at it going, yeah, these guys got it better than most of my friends graduating. <laughs> you know, my, my friends are graduating from college and they they go off to cubicle nation working 12 hour days, six days a week so they can pay the rent on their high end apartment and afford their Porsche payment. And I was like, none of this makes sense to me. This was kind of uh, an aha moment for me. And I, I, I resolved at that point, I said, you know, I don't want to be a bum in the park. I don't, I don't have some romantic fantasy about that, but I also don't want to piss away my life working for money. And I don't want to piss away the money I earn on lifestyle. And so I just kind of looked at it and said, you know, uh, if I'm going to have to lead an economic life, I may as well design it to result in financial independence. And that sounds really casual when I say it, but that's a life-changing commitment. If you get really clear on that, you will completely reorganize how you spend money, how you prioritize your expenses, what career choices you make. I mean, it's a game changer if you really think it through, even though it sounds really simple on the surface. Right. You know, I was um, I was actually listening to something that you said to Jamie Tardy. Um, I don't even remember when that interview was, but it was a while back that I listened to it. I'm trying to find it. Oh, yeah, I found it because uh, I wrote it down. It was like I have more than a dollar to show for every dollar I've earned in my lifetime. And I thought about that. I'm like, well, I don't I don't have a, a, more than a dollar that I've earned for every or uh, I was it. Let's see. Um, I was like, yeah. I don't have more than a dollar to show for every dollar I've earned. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. It, can you can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, it's not complicated. What happened was I had a very strong earnings rate in the early years. And I was very good at shoveling it away into tax advantaged and tax deferred investments during those years as well as subsequent years in converting the assets. And so the compound growth of that has not resulted in taxable income. And so I've had a lot of years to compound the wealth I built in the early years. Ah, Okay, that makes sense. And so so the net effect is that I haven't made all that much money. I've just been very effective with what I've made. I made a lot very early on because I ran a hedge fund and I had a very high paycheck for a kid out of college. Mm -hmm. And the difference was I never pissed it away. You know, I just, you know, I saved the bulk of it. You know, I was probably saving 70% plus of what I made. And then because it was a concentrated period and then I've had, you know, 20 years since then to compound grow it. 
Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So how does somebody play catch up like that with their business where if they want to, because most coaches that I know, they don't, they earn less than 30,000 a year. Um, some earn a little bit more. So, you know, most are, you know, 35, 40, 45, 50, 50 grand a year. How do they go about earning more money outside of, you know, once they define their value, is there something well, else? Well, first of all, first of all, if you're making 30, 40 grand and you're working full time at it, then one, there's, there's a couple different problems. Either your value proposition is so low that your hourly rate's too low to make more, or your marketing system is ineffective to where you don't have enough clients to fill your day. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you'd make more if you had a you know reasonable hourly rate and your schedule was full. So there's one of two problems there in terms of a service business. Either your value proposition is wrong to where you can't charge enough and still fill your calendar, or you are marketing ineffectively to where you're not filling your calendar with high paying clients. Right. I and, think- then, and then in addition to that, you can take it a step further and say, if you're just generalizing for your business, not just the service side of the business, mm-hmm. um, then you can look at what, what other products can you develop and productize your business, which is the direction I've gone. Right. I was going to ask you about that. So outside of clients, say for instance, they've got all the clients that they can handle, but their rate's not super high. They're, they're just at a, they're a mid-level coach. They, they don't charge a whole lot of money. So they're kind of at the point of where they've made as much as they can make doing one-on-one and they're trying not to work, you know, 80 hours a week and, you know, have, 30 or 40 calls in a week, they're, they're wanting to dial it back a little bit. How do you go about creating those products based off of what you're doing? Again, it goes back to the same thing we said earlier. You have to understand what problems you solve and then you productize those solutions, either through group coaching with courses Mm -hmm. or through books, you know, books are a little tougher because you know, they have a decent profit margin thanks to Amazon now where you can sell direct to the buyer via Amazon. So you can retain 70% of your royalties, but the dollar amounts are so low that your volume has to be very high to make a decent amount of money. Um, so that really leaves you with courses and group coaching as the only other real solution. Um, you can reposition yourself high end, but again, you've got to have a clear value proposition, you know, that it justifies that fee structure because in the end you always have to deliver more value than you charge. Otherwise, why would somebody be a client? You know, so, so you got to figure out, if you want to make more, you have to figure out how to deliver more value. So you either deliver more value because you reach more people by productizing your knowledge or you deliver more value because you have something more valuable to deliver and you can charge more for it per hour. But one way or another, if you're not making enough, it's because you're not delivering enough value. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you use social? That's by the way, that's probably pretty hard for some people to stomach because they think they're super valuable, but the market will (laughs) tell you. Right. 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 I mean, if the market ain't buying it, then the market isn't perceiving it as valuable. So so you either have a marketing problem, messaging, positioning problem, or your stuff truly isn't all that valuable, even though you think it is. Yeah. Now, do you think of people of people don't make the offer enough to enough people? Do you see that in, in the in the service? I never area? I never make an offer. I don't do any push marketing and I don't advocate push marketing. I think push marketing sucks. Like if you go on my site, there's no no interstitials for people who don't know what interstitials are. They're pop ups, which we all hate, mm-hmm. you know, 
I don't have any of that on my side. I don't do pop-ups. I don't do anything that compromises the integrity of the business. Um, I don't pitch people because what, what I, the, the, okay. So here's a question I asked myself when, when I was struggling as a coach, right. And I thought I was really good, but the market didn't seem to perceive it that way. And I said, okay, back then Robert Kiyosaki was a best-selling author and Dave Ramsey was a best-selling author back then too. And I, I asked myself the question, I said, if Robert Kiyosaki or David or Dave Ramsey hung their head out as a coach, would they be having the same problem as me? And the answer is no. They would have a line around the corner of people waiting to get in at rates that were probably 10x what I was charging at the time. And so then I looked and I said, well, are Robert or Dave better coaches than me? And, you know, pardon the ego aside, but the answer is no. I mean, I, I'm, I was very good at what I do. I still am very good at what I do, right? And I knew it back then because I knew the results my clients were producing. So it wasn't that I wasn't good at it and it wasn't that they would be any better than me. So then I was like, okay, so what's the difference? And the difference is that they have a platform that establishes their authority as the go-to expert. I didn't have that. That was the turning point for me. When I realized that, then I went to establishing the platform that proved that I was a go-to expert in the field. And then once I had that, then the conversion happened. They sought me out. I didn't have to pitch them. I didn't have to ask, as you're saying. Right. They would want it. And I just had to have a conversion process that they could naturally find as part of the content marketing platform. And how so, you, How did you ahead. first establish yourself? Content marketing. So traditional content marketing. So here's the thing, okay? You've got to understand your client buying process. Okay. So for me, there's money keywords in every coaching field or every service business field. Like, and so let's use mine as an example. Okay. Since I was a financial coach, there's terms like they're dominated by financial coach, financial coaching, money coach, and money coaching. Secondary words would be investment coach, investment coaching, wealth coach, wealth coaching, um, and retirement coach, retirement coaching. Those would be secondary keywords. And then there's some related problem keywords like how much money do I need to retire or, you know, things like that. So those, those would be the money keywords, right, of where people are actively looking for my service. You're not looking for a money coach unless – and you're not searching for money coach unless you want a money coach, right? I mean right. I would say probably – some high percentage, there's going to be some, some people just researching the field. So it's not hundred percent, but a high percentage of people spending their time searching for money coach are looking for a money coach. Same thing for a financial coach. And again, those are two of the more popular terms is money coach, money coaching, financial coach, financial coaching. And so I said, okay, let's look at the math of this. If I can build an authoritative site on money coach, money coaching, financial coach, financial coaching, of which my site still is to this day, it's in the top two or three, depending on where you search from and what's in your browser and what you're looking for and so on. But I'm generally up near the top of page one for those, for those terms. Um, then if you look at the total traffic volume for those terms and related terms, let's just say that it's 25,000 searches a month. Okay. Then you use the 1% rule and you say, okay, if I have an authoritative site that delivers high value and clearly establishes me as an authority in those fields, you have to look at the buying process of a client that searches for that. That's a trust. Coaching is a trust relationship. You don't just go to the top keyword and go, oh, here's the top guy. I'm just going to hire him. Well, Instead, right. typically, typically what people do is they look at the first to second page. So they usually get kind of 10 to 20 results. They'll go to the websites. They'll figure out, 
you know, three to five websites that look interesting where they kind of resonate with the message and they connect with what that person's saying on their website. And then they'll do the neat thing about coaching is most people offer a free strategy session, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just went through and I did conservative math. I said, well, let's say that if I can appear on the, on page one for those terms, then I'm in the running. I don't have to be number one. I just have to be somewhere in the running to, because it's a trust relationship. They just have to kind of find me somewhere near the top. And so that's a doable goal, right? And then I said, okay, let's say 1% of those that search actually click on my site. Let's say 1% of the people that come to the site actually do a strategy session of which X percent convert. Now, over time, I became very good at strategy sessions to where by the time somebody went to a strategy session, probably 80% plus of the people that took strategy sessions became clients to me. So I only had to get through the first two thresholds, which is 1% to click, 1% to convert to a strategy session. Okay. And then I figured out, okay, let's say average lifetime value of a client. For me, it's in excess of a year, but let's just use a year as an example. That means that at 25,000 clients, I would have a waiting list. And I'm sorry, at 25,000 searches per month, I would have a waiting list. And in fact, that's how the math worked out. And so what I'm showing you is the direct approach to marketing a service business which is you develop an authority site for what we call money keywords. That's the direct head-on approach to marketing your service business. So your site shows up when they're in the process of searching for the exact service you offer. If your site shows up and you can establish yourself as the go-to person through the content and resources you offer on your site to where you're clearly one of the top choices and you're in the running – those are the kind of conversion stats you can hope for that are sufficient to build a business with a waiting list. No, that's awesome. Yeah. As I, as I'm going through your site, I'm looking at everything that you're talking about and the way that you've established your platform and something, something different that I've seen on your site that I've not seen quite honestly on any other site. Um, at least not presented in the way that you present it is the podcast interviews that you've actually been on. A lot uh-huh. of pe- a lot of people don't put their the podcast interviews where they've been interviewed on their site. They may put a few links, you know, in a in a media kit or on a resource page, but not as part as their main menu for people to actually choose, you know, and, and look. And it's like, oh, podcast. He's he has a podcast, and it's like, no, you've you've been on all these podcasts right here. Well, and I have a podcast as well, so I give you both. You can either listen to me as the host or you can listen to me as the guest. And you can pick and choose what episodes based on the title because there's like, I don't know, 150 to 200 episodes there. Right. It's it's just unique in the way that that you have it positioned. Well, it's interesting that you picked the podcast too because podcast is a high relationship conversion tool. And so, like, if you look, I don't have very many episodes of my own podcast. I think there's like 21 or 22 of them. Right. And that's, that's on purpose. I don't, I don't publish the podcast as a traffic tool. I publish the podcast as a conversion tool. The feedback I've gotten is people read my writing and they'll, okay, let, let me explain another way. When I first published the podcast, I was stunned at how customers came out of the woodwork mm-hmm. and Almost universally, what they said to me was, I followed your writing from years. I've, I've learned tons from you, but it was always so scholarly and analytical. I never thought you're relatable. And I heard you talk and you sound like this California surfer dude. 
And <laughs> it's like, I could totally relate to you. I totally want to talk to you. And now your writing's even more impressive to me now that I hear you talk. Like you're just an average guy, you know? And I was like, well, yeah, you know? And so that's when things really took off is when they could hear me talk and they realized I was just a normal person. If <laughs> you know, if anything subpar normal, (laughs) you know, at least in terms of official, but then my writing is all intellectual and analytical and detailed and, and, you know, very consumer oriented. And it's that combination was very effective at establishing the platform. Yeah. You know, I I totally get that uh, with people saying that about your writing, because after, you know, reading through your book from FinCon, when I first met you, I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't know if I'd ever be ready to interview him because I'm not sure if I could keep up. <laughs> I've, I've not said that about many people, but then after hearing a few of your interviews, I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's relatable. And then meeting you and hanging out a little bit. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. I, yeah. I could easily, I could easily see somebody saying that when I first started going through your stuff, but plus you've also built a community. They're courses. Uh, okay, okay. Right. So it's a course. And so, yeah, you pay for access to a course of which you get a specific – again, this is congruent with what I'm teaching you here. I'm I'm walking the talk on everything I'm sharing here, right? This is how right. I actually do it, which is I don't sell a membership site yet. I have one thought of that would work, and I'll explain it in a second. Um, the courses, steps one through six, are a specific problem that have a specific solution, and they're in the format of a curriculum, okay? So you go through the curriculum at the end. You walk away with the benefit that you paid for. And that's, that's how things are probably sold. Step seven is unique. Step seven is at the end of the whole process. And it, it basically in a nutshell, it's so now that I'm a millionaire, so what? And the whole premise of that is that, you know, you went for financial freedom because you have a high value on freedom. As it turns out, you really never needed financial freedom to be free anyway. And financial freedom, in fact, won't give you personal freedom if you don't have the right stuff inside of you. And so... I have wrestled with how to do that as a course because here's the interesting thing is I've been living, I've lived all the steps, but I'm still living step seven. I've been living step seven for the last 20 years and I've never mastered it, right? I've never, I don't think anybody ever masters it was the kind of the realization I had. Nobody ever, you know, unless you're Buddha, you know, or Jesus or, (laughs) you know, whichever great one you follow Right. You never really master it. And I'm not in that caliber. I'm, I'm very human and I make very human mistakes. And so I'm in the process of it. And I realized that that's actually a membership site, that that would be the journey that never ends for almost all of us that are still above ground. And so I think that would make a great membership site because it's a process that we follow with, without completion. Whereas steps one through six are actually processes that have a beginning and end and a completion with a, you know, a known outcome. Right. No, no, no. It's, it's interesting because when you when you talk about establishing a platform, I think a lot of people miss the boat and they do just one thing. And I see that you've got you've got multiple approaches for people to be, you know, for you to be accessible. It's either books, it's audio, it's your the, your courses where people can learn from you. And eventually it's going to be one like huge master life course <laughs> that you kind of just described. Um no, I think it's I think it's great the way that you do it. And if people just go out to your site, I remember um, when I, the first time I went out to your site, I was actually listening to a Pat Flynn interview and you were talking about deleting a bunch of your content, which I know is another one of the uh, the things that you talk about. But it was something that I it was something that I learned 
from you in, you know, doing this whole thing. And I'm like, wow, this is this is really interesting. The way that everything's organized and getting rid of some junk content and going back through and doing content audits and stuff like that. And I don't know, I just I think overall, if people just go out and look at your site, it's a good example of how to structure content, because I see when coaches and other service professionals I talk to, including myself, look at their websites and why they don't get more business through their websites. I think yours is a good blueprint for how to structure one. Thanks. Yeah. And for people that want to look at that Pat Flynn thing, that was, that was a presentation I gave at FinCon and one of the FinCons you and I met and it was called how I tripled my traffic by deleting a third of my content. And I just kind of stumbled into being a leader in the area of content audits just because my site was so broken when, when I fixed it, I did it for all the wrong reasons. It worked out. And then right around the time I came public with it was when big brands were figuring it out also. So um, that was episode 200 over at Smart Passive Income, uh, the podcast from Pat Flynn. And uh, it turned out it's one of his most popular episodes ever. So, I mean, it's not the most. He's got some really big name episodes that went huge. But I know it was his top 10 for that year. Yeah, it was a really good one. <laughs> I've, I've listened to it several times. And actually, my web designer is uh, we, we walked through a lot of that. So. As my redesign is coming up, uh, yeah, I'll be taking a lot of your advice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the most popular presentation in FinCon history. Oh, my gosh. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So it was just it was just the right message at the right time. I don't claim any credit for it other than I was just the guy that spoke it. But I just happened to have the right message at the right time, which caused it to get very popular. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Todd, I mean, this is it's there's been an amazing amount of information that you threw out in this episode. I know it kind of went quickly, but it's, it's just, can I throw one more thing at you? No, go right ahead. All right. One of the things that I see people make a lot of mistakes with is, you know, there's some, there's some truths thrown around, around content marketing and how you build your platform. And I, I stumbled through these same truths and I made the same mistakes as everybody. And so that's why I wanted to share it is to kind of shortcut everybody's learning process here. That's listening. Um, one of the, you can think of your content marketing platform as a three-legged stool and two of the legs are truths that you hear all the time. And the third leg is one you don't hear, but it makes or breaks your platform. And I think that's why a lot of people fail. Um, the first two, let's go through the first two everybody knows, which is uh, leg one is, you know, traffic times conversion equals profit, mm-hmm. right? Well-known formula um, makes total mass sense. It's actually the way it works. It's, I mean, it's a truth, right? Right. Um, so it's simple enough to understand it's true enough. The next one is people buy from people they know, like, and trust. We've all heard that one as well. And again, it's a truth, right? If I was a total jerk on this episode and I was, you know, big self promoter and just going off, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to follow the links to my site. Nobody's going to care to follow up, right? If I deliver value, I'm a real person. I'm actually myself and people get that there's some authentic thing here, then people will follow up. Right. So it's people follow up from or people buy from people they know, like and trust. So these are ones that are well known. They're well known formulas in Internet. No big secret at all. The third one was the one I was missing. And the third one's the one that changes your platform. Um, It's it's one that's not commonly taught about. And it's it's completely missed. And that it took me years to see it. And if you think about these truths that are being thrown around, there's kind of a a missing piece to it. And that is, notice that they're always talking about what you should do, right? Mm-hmm. Traffic yeah. times conversion equals profit. You need to become somebody who's known, you know, knowable, likable, trustable, whatever you want to say. Right. It's all about what you should do. You should do it. You should do it. 
What's missing though is client focus, right? The client's the one doing the buying. And so your site has to be entirely client focused and it has to be designed around the client buying process. This is absolutely key. Okay. So you can put up a bunch of content, you can put up all kinds of educational stuff and it can completely fail. Okay. Clients have specific buying processes. So notice when I talked about money keywords in coaching, notice how I talked about the client buying process. I talked about how they usually, that it's a trust relationship. Okay. It's very different from an impulse buy. It's a trust relationship. I talked about how, how they buy from, you know, the first two pages of results, not from just the top three results. Right. This is all known because I spent time figuring this out. This is the client buying process. Here's another part of the client buying process. They don't just immediately request a test drive with me or a strategy session with me. They go through the content. They listen to the podcast. Remember, I was telling you how they read my content and they listen to my podcast. And then it was the contrast of the two that was effective. Mm-hmm. This is all part of the client buying process. Right. They'll do due diligence. They'll search my name, find out if there's a history of problems with my business. They do all these things. That's the client buying process for a coaching relationship. You have to know that. You have to know the client's needs and their buying process better than they know it themselves. How do I figure all this out? Because in the interviews in the strategy session with coaching clients or whenever I would do the strategy sessions, I would ask them. And over time, you can see the pattern, right? So if you don't know it, you can find out. But you have to make it all client-focused. So what did I do then? I built all kinds of content that satisfied client needs and was completely client focused. Like you won't find any pitch in any of my material, right? You had said before about doing the ask. I don't do the ask anywhere on the site because they don't care. (laughs) They'll request a strategy session because they got a burning problem and they need a solution. And if you're the go-to guy, they'll, they'll beat up your door to find you. Right. Are you, are you following the logic here? And so it's got to be client focused. So many people get hung up on marketing. They don't get that it's about the client. No, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, all I see is it's, it's a learn more, it's a get more. It's not a, you know, sign up for necessarily this, anything they're signing up for, they're getting a lot of value from. So yeah, I, I think I do get it. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to deliver value. You've got to solve their problems. You've got to be right there when they're looking for the solution and they're willing to pay for it, you've got to appear, you know, in that buying process. Um, the other thing too, is you want to know the client for the problem they're trying to solve better than they know themselves. In other words, you know, I've been through this with so many clients as well as walking through it in my own life that I could ask them questions and tell them things about themselves that they don't even know. And that would stun them. (laughs) Yeah. They would buy from me, right? Like right there on the spot. I remember one time I was on a, strategy session with a, with a prospect. And I told him the car's in his garage and you should have heard that he, it was him and his wife were on the phone with me when we were doing the strategy session, they were interviewing me and I'll tell you this guy, I mean, he was a high level seven figure executive for fidelity investments in back East. And he was hiring me to teach him about investing strategy because he, he figured I knew something different from what he knew through fidelity and he wanted to learn it from me. So they're doing the interview with me trying to figure out if I'm a huckster or not. And I went through and I told, as part of the process I was going through, because I was pointing out that it's, you know, life as well as just investment strategy and all this. And I went through and I told him the car's in his garage. And there was silence on the phone for probably fully 15 seconds, which is really awkward in a phone call. And they went back and I heard his wife go, how did you know? 
<laughs> and I said, well, this stuff's a pattern. Like you're just following a pattern. You're, you know, you want to think you're original, but you're, you're not, you know, the, the data of what you're doing, how you're living your life, what you're doing would implicate this. These are the patterns. And, and they're just like, wow. Okay. We'll buy. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. So anyway, you got to know the client better than they know themselves. You've got to know the answers. You've got to be the next step ahead of them and you've got to have insights for them. And that's that, you know, that's how you deliver value. Wow. So the traffic, the conversion, the know, like, and trust, but the client focused, I've never heard that one before in the, in the, in the yeah, that's why I want to make sure we got it in before we ended the interview. I wanted to make sure that you had that in there because, see, that connects back to the problem solution thing we talked about earlier. It's a full circle. Yeah. When you know, when you know the client and your client focused, you're focused on their solutions to their problems. They get it. It comes through in what you're doing. Like even in my strategy sessions, like you know, people will teach coaches about strategy sessions and about asking for the sale at the end and all this stuff. I never did that. All I did was I made sure that I delivered huge value in the strategy session. And if I delivered huge value, they would buy. If they truly walked out of there believing that I was the solution to their problems, they would buy. Why wouldn't they? You know, a lot of coaches are afraid of giving away too much in the strategy session. Then they don't have enough to give. That's, yeah, that's I mean, about as straightforward of an answer as you can get to that one. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't think of how I could give away the farm in a 60-minute strategy session. I just, I mean, you, I can't even begin to scratch the surface. Yeah, that's right. That's, the most, the most I can yeah. do. Yeah, the most I can do, what I would do in a strategy session is I would show them the way. I would paint the picture of where we would go if we worked together. So the beginning of the strategy session was always about the client. It's always client-focused, just like we were saying. I would find out what they're looking for, what their situation is. I would get some basic numbers, you know, like how much they spend, what their net worth is, what their savings rate is. Just get some basic numbers to kind of wrap my head around where they're at because different numbers indicate different things about their lives, right? And so I would get like basic numbers, where they're at, where they want to go. And then from there, probably usually 30 minutes in, I would flip it around. You know, it, it was never a set pattern. It was just when it was clear mm-hmm. what, where they fit into the picture. Cause again, there, nobody's, none of this is all that unique, right? We're, we're all wanting similar things. Once the picture was clear, then I would paint the picture of where we would go if we worked together, like what the steps were, what they needed, what was holding them back, where we needed to go, what the order of actions would be. I would like show them the path so that it wasn't pink fog, right? I would make it tangible and real what we would do together if they decided to hire me. Yeah, And that way they had, they had something to buy. Right. Yeah. No, I think a lot of coaches get into how can I solve a problem and they start getting into their solutions before they have a, uh, a clear idea of what the actual problem is they're trying to solve. Yeah. If there's a gimme, like sometimes people will, you know, have really clear problems that have like soundbite solutions. I call those mm-hmm. gimmies, right. You know, just really simple stuff. I'll throw those in just to give value. Right. But usually if it's that simple, it, you know, most of my clients aren't dumb. And so problems are, um, more complex and they, they can't be solved that quickly. And so I would paint the picture of the steps and the issues involved and what they can expect and how it would work out and, you know, how long it would likely take. And, you know, just 
make it real so that they understand what they're actually buying if they decide to work together and what would happen if they work together and how we work together. Sure. Wow. That, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that one. Cause, um, I've not heard that before actually. Huh. Now you have <laughs> right No, I'm just, I'm sitting here just pondering what you said. Cause it's, there's, there's so many things that you said that could really change the, the trajectory of, anybody that's in the coaching field, it doesn't matter if you're financial or not. If you're a coach and you're not doing these things in this way, you should really think about some of the stuff that you're doing as far as problem solution, you know, problem solution. And I've heard that from coaches before. I was like, well, you know, find out the problem and give them a solution and find out the problem and then present them what the solution would be. And then you can close them. But in that there's never the, we'll make sure it's client focused. Because if you're making sure it's client focused, you won't have to close them because you'll deliver the amount of value that you need to. So by the time you get to the end of that conversation in that discovery call, they know that you're the person they want to go with. Yeah, nobody cares about you. At least, I mean, in a strategy session, they don't care about you. All they want to know is what's in it for them. Right. Right. They're not, they're buying what's in it for them. You have to make sure you've made it clear what's in it for them. That's what they pay for. I mean, they care about you. I'm not saying people don't care. They do, right? They're good people. Mm -hmm. But that's not the focus of the conversation. The focus of the conversation is all about what's in it for them. Right. Yeah, and I think a lot of coaches miss the boat on that one. No, this has been this has been great, Todd. I really do appreciate it. And um, wonderful information, a lot for people to dig through. It's going to all be in the show notes, guys. Todd, where is the best place to find you online? Well, everything I do is at financialmentor.com. So all one word, but two words strung together, financialmentor.com. And people can opt in and I give away some free bonuses for opt-in so they can kind of see how I build relationship. I have a free book uh, called 18 Essential Lessons of a Self-Made Millionaire. It's got some stuff we talked about here, but there's a lot more in there. And then um, it's all. I've also got a free course, 52 Weeks to Financial Freedom, that outlines a structured process to financial freedom. Uh, that's free. It's an autoresponder email course. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's just relationship building. Um, so that's for new subscribers. The other thing that people might want to do, Vernon, if they're interested in coaching in specific or conversion processes for a service business is actually go over the coaching side. You can link to it from the show notes so people can find it. Sure. Um, and in the coaching section of the site, there's there's a page in there where you crest a strategy session and it takes you through my conversion process. If you look at it, you have to go through a couple steps. You first, um, you know, it, it asks, you know, how do you find Todd, you know, how do you hire Todd? And, and it explains it and explains the process. Then you have to go through and request a strategy session. And before you request a strategy session, it asks you to read an article. And I encourage people to go look at that article. That article is a pre-qualifying article. And that's, that was part of the key to my high conversion rate. Because what people realize is I'm actually not trying to sell. I'm trying to serve. And I go through and I specify who the correct target client is for coaching. And I define it by who gets more value than they pay for. And so the whole thing is a positioning statement done as a sorting piece. And I explain right in the article that coaching sold properly is a sorting process, not a sales process. That your goal is to find clients that will naturally and easily get more value than it costs them. And I go through and I eliminate a huge portion of the target market so people see it's not bullshit, right? That like right. if you look at the qualifying process I put in there, not many people make it through. 
And so when you do, you feel like, wow, this is great that I'm, I'm where I belong, right? I really should go do a strategy <laughs> session. And right. guess what? Those are the people that really should do one. And so that's why they convert high is because they've already figured out that they're going to get more value than they pay for. They pre-qualified themselves. And so, you know, you can link to that and then people will can go through it and it costs you nothing. You know, don't send me a strategy session request. Just go through all the links and look at stuff on the site. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can see it for yourself and you can model it. No, yeah, it's amazing. I've been looking at it as you were talking and I had already looked at it before. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely a different approach to booking a strategy session because most coaches, myself included, it's, you know, I'm trying to get as many strategy calls as I possibly can. And I need to rethink that because it's not the best way to serve my clients. So I love it when I learn stuff directly on a podcast episode. Yeah. What you're far better off doing is widening out the top of your funnel and filtering more tightly so that the time you actually spend with strategy sessions is productive and you get high quality clients. And so if you're hungry, that just means you don't have enough traffic into the top of your funnel. And so you got to figure out how to increase the the qualified traffic into the top of the funnel so you can qualify it more tightly and end up with the quality clients you want. All right. That is golden. Todd, I appreciate it guys. You can uh, tweet Todd at financial mentor on Twitter. And of course, you know, you can find him out on his site, financialmentor.com. Todd, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been a great one. All right. Thanks friend. Thanks for having me. All right. That was a cool interview from boutique small financial coach to seven figure business offering multiple courses, multiple books. Todd has the blueprint. Go back and listen to right around six minutes, five, six minutes into the interview. There was some groundbreaking stuff. If you missed it, that could really change the way that you structure your business. Lots of good information from Todd. Uh, I'm always pleased every time I get a chance to have a conversation with him because he's so smart and really makes you think about what you're doing in your business. So definitely make sure to check out all the links in the show notes. It's going to be there, how you can connect with Todd online and start taking advantage of some of his coaching and some of the stuff that he's doing. I'm actually um, looking at some of the stuff that he's doing now, you know, towards the retirement stuff and breaking off some of the income and what to do with it, where to invest in, uh, you know, get to where I want to be with the, with the thing, with the stuff, you know, which, you know, it's interesting when you start thinking about um, investing and I know a lot of financial folks because I attend as often as I can the financial bloggers conference. It's done once per year and it's always in a different city. I get a chance to see cities. I normally wouldn't get a chance to go to, or wouldn't have any business there, uh, you know, actual like business, not like have any business there, but have business there. Like San Diego last year, I've been wanting to go to San Diego for a long time and just had never had a chance to get out there. By attending the Financial Bloggers Conference, I was able to see San Diego, stay in beautiful downtown San Diego. I stayed in this hotel called the Horton, which was a classic hotel. It was really nice. Had a balcony, a fireplace in the thing. It was an awesome hotel. The only thing that was missing is I didn't get a chance to bring the missus with me. So that would have been really fun, but I doubt that I would have wanted to be at the conference if I had the wife there with me because we would have been out exploring stuff in California and probably ended up in wine country. So that was probably a good thing. But, you know, when you start thinking about business and your business and what you're doing with your business, 
ultimately you've got to make sure that you're diversifying the the service offering that you have. And I've entertained things and kicked things around quite a bit. Um, of course, I do affiliate marketing. Podbean is one of my affiliates, and uh, they're also one of my clients. But before I started working with Podbean and brought them on as, as a client to help them with some of their larger customers, I was an affiliate of Podbean and offering Podbean service because I had switched my podcast over to Podbean. I enjoyed the service. I enjoyed the responses, the responsiveness of the team and how they, you know, hit me on email, hit me in messenger. However, I needed to be contacted. They were available to help me with any kind of weird issues that I was having with my podcast. And I don't have many, but when I was having issues, Podbean was right there helping me, um, which is why I ended up switching to them and why I advocate for the brand, because it is a really solid service. And for 108 bucks a year, $9 a month, you really cannot beat the level of service that you can get. It's unlimited storage, unlimited audio, pybean.com forward slash VR. Get a 30-day free trial account. Just play with it, log in, and look at the back end. If you're a current podcaster, go out there, sign up, look at the back end, and tell me if you like it. I, uh, I always like feedback on what the back end looks like because if I make a suggestion, usually it happens. So I just wanted to throw that out there just to let you guys know, you know, hey, Podbean is responsive to your request. I've made many a request and, you know, quite honestly, a lot of the times they get filled, uh, especially, you know, when I was just podcasting, it's like, hey, I don't like this. This might need to change. Uh, this is a little difficult to understand. And I will give feedback. To me, that's valuable. And I wouldn't recommend a service that I wouldn't use myself. So Podbean.com forward slash VR, 30 day free trial account on me. And of course, when you start talking about diversifying, I was thinking about adding additional services to what I do. I may not have time to deliver all of those services, but from time to time, I get these you know video requests from small business owners that I've dealt with, where they want a, you know like an intro video or a YouTube channel trailer or something like that, where you know they just want something put together that's professional, that's done nice, that looks good, and often they want footage. I don't have a camera crew at my disposal. I've, I know a few film companies and that adds costs, you know, three to $5,000 for a shoot is not unusual the way that I do it with, you know, lights and some production value and stuff like that. Well, when you can't afford that video blocks is one of those companies that you can go to for stock footage. It's unlimited downloads. They've got $10 million worth of video footage in their library. That's available for you to use. And if you're already using After Effects, they've got After Effects templates. They've got just regular video stock footage. They've got video backgrounds for websites, stuff like that. If you're using like a parallax type theme and you want a video background, they've got all of that stuff. Seven day free trial account. Just go out to videoblocks.com forward slash Ross, R-O-S-S. And you're going to get a seven day free trial account to try it out. And it's unlimited downloads. They don't limit you to what you can download. Now, I'm not saying go out there, download a bunch of stuff and then cancel it. Go out there, try it out, see if you like it, get an account and then start using that video to make money with it for your clients because you can take that video and use it and do anything that you want with it. It's a really, really powerful service to add to your utility belt of services that you offer. I am thinking about adding more video, especially since my oldest is, you know, now got her 
very expensive Sony camera that I had to buy after graduation. And she's doing really well with taking some photos. So I'm proud of her and I know that she loves video. So this is just like one of those things where it might just be worth it to get her an account so she can offer a full range of services in her, you know, budding part-time photography career as she actually has a real job. Super proud of my kid for uh, getting a job right out of college. But um, (laughs) I digress. Anyway, guys, check them out. Videoblocks.com forward slash Ross. They've got great stuff. I wouldn't recommend them if they didn't. Um, I'm going to try to get some stuff actually produced and put up on the website so you guys can see a copy of some of the stuff that they have. But if you just go out to the website, you can see pretty much anything that they offer. All right, with that, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Of course, you know you can reach me at Ross PR on Twitter, at Ross PR on Instagram, on the Snapchats, at Ross PR. Of course, Vernon at VernonRoss.com is my email address. And actually, I'm coming up with a way where you guys can text me and get directly in my phone book because you know what? I want to filter through all of the noise on social and be able to reach out to you guys directly and have you be able to reach out to me directly with like very little delay. I'm looking at a service that does that. Once I get through the beta, I'll let you guys know, you know, what's going to happen with that. And of course, guys, I can never ask enough rate, review and subscribe to the podcast It is the only way that people find out about the podcast, that you like it, and that we've got good content out here. Rate, review, subscribe. Every podcast that you listen to, not just mine, but I would definitely appreciate it if you would go rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. And with that, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. And of course, you know I am author of Master Your Message, the guide to finding your voice in any situation. If you have not bought the book, go out and buy it, rate, review, and there's nothing to subscribe to. Just rate and review it. Only two things versus three. Rate, review. Well, of course, read it first (laughs) and then give me an honest review if you have not bought the book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, anywhere where you buy books. It's in all those great little retailers, independent bookstores, and uh, just bookstores across the country. And if they don't have it, ask for it. Lots of libraries have the book now, so uh, go to the library, check it out. You don't even have to buy it. If they don't have it at your local library, just ask them, hey, could you order this book? It's by Vernon Ross, Master Your Message, The Guide to Finding Your Voice in Any Situation. Have them order two. Yeah, or three, or four. Start a book club and make my book the first one. (laughs) Anyway, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. I don't have anything else I forgot to add at the end, so I'm not going to extend this anymore. My outros are getting longer and longer. This one's nine minutes. I'm a a little impressed with myself at this point. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. It is late, and I will see you in the next episode.